scary place. Dark shadows creeping in the moonlight. Unfamiliar sounds surrounding you. Stalking you. Is it a ghost? A werewolf? Or something more? Human. What would you do if you found yourself lost? In the strange woods? Join us as we discuss the paranormal, true crime, and anything in between. With your hosts, Jeremy. Not on today, Satan. Jonathan. It's time to die. I will kill you. And Peter. You never dig. You cement it and leave it alone. Welcome to the Strange Woods Podcast. You know what bugs me? What? Is shitty people. Oh, man. I agree. I'm sitting here looking at my wall before we record, and I, I collect postcards from all the different like national parks and stuff we go to. And if you look on Instagram and stuff like that, there's these pages called Turons, like Turons of Yellowstone and Turons of here and there. And it's just people that want to push the limits a little too far. And now we got all these awesome national parks. And this year, the list just got bigger for national parks that you're going to have to have a reservation to actually go to before you can go. Reservation? Yeah. Like you have to sign up and get on a list and say, hey, I want to come on this day. And if they're full for that day, then you just can't go. Uh. And it's because of, it's because of overcrowding. It's because of... And I get everybody wants to go, but too many people don't respect the areas they're in and the, the nature and the, the animals and just everything around them. So they kind of ruin it for the rest of us. Right. Like what about people that take off of work a year ahead of time and they just they don't realize you have to sign up to do that ahead of time. And now they've wasted a whole trip to go see the Grand Canyon and they can't go. I mean, I don't know if Grand Canyon's one of them, but. Uh, well, fortunately, Grand Canyon's not on the list yet, but I wouldn't expect it to be too far behind. Uh, one of the, the lists for this year, the big eight are Arcadia National Park in Maine, Arches National Park, Utah, Glacier National Park in Montana, uh, Halanica. I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's in Hawaii. <laughs> Rocky Mountain National Park, Colorado. Shenandoah in Virginia, Zion in Utah, and uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong too, Murray Woods in California. And I know that list is, that's only grown this year. I know there was a few others last year that were on the list and I don't think they came off. I think the list just got added to. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of a shitty thing. You know, these, you got people that just can't seem to not want to get that next selfie and they get too close to the animals or they get too close to the edge of what they're not supposed to be in. Not long ago, I saw an idiot that touched one of the hot springs. Uh, Jackass. At, uh, yeah. Uh, up there, at, is that Yellowstone where all the hot springs are? I'm blanking out at the moment. I think so. They went beyond the border and walked out there and touched one of the hot springs. What a jackass. So yeah, that's me bitching and complaining tonight. Uh, as y'all can tell, uh, we don't have one of our other faithful co-hosts with us tonight. Uh, he's He just had some business to take care of, and he will be back with us again on a future episode. Yeah, shouldn't take too long. But in the meantime, we have my lovely wife, Brandy, on this one. Hello. Hello. I will be a substitute for Jeremy. A poor substitute, I'm sure he would say. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Jeremy. 
I'm going to come in and help if I can, because I feel like this is going to be a fun one. I think so too. And you, you do a lot of our research for us and, um, I think you're going to be probably the most well-versed out of all of us. Oh, well, that's nice. That is probably a true statement. (laughs) Well, it's fun. I have a great time. I mean, I'm a uber fan of the podcast, so this is, this is fun for me. Makes me a little nervous, but I, you know, I'm happy to be here. Happy to help. No reason to be nervous. You've already been on here at least once. I'm a nerd. It all right. It'll be fine. We'll cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, to start us out, we do have a uh, listener story tonight that we received with our um, our listener story contest that we have up on TikTok. So uh, it'll probably be over by the time y'all hear this episode, but we may do another one and don't miss out next time. So this is a story from they want it to be anonymous. Um, It says... This is a story a friend, I'll call him JJ, told me not long ago. It was the night before this past New Year's Eve and JJ's grandson wanted to pop fireworks in the backyard. JJ had told him it was okay to pop the fireworks, just make sure to clean up the mess when he was done. Later that night, JJ was sleeping when his security camera alert on his phone woke him up. He looked at the image on his phone and didn't see anything, so he went back to sleep. A few minutes later, the alert went off again, so this time he went look out the door and still didn't see anything and went back to bed again. When the alert went off a third time, he thought to himself that something is going on, so he went look further outside. That's when he saw his garbage can was smoking from the fireworks debris. The can was next to the wooden steps leading to the door and could have caught his house on fire while he was asleep if the camera had not kept sending alerts. The part of his story that gave me chills was at the end when he said he believes it was his late wife trying to alert him through the security camera. His wife had passed away just two months before. Ooh. Well, that's deep. Yeah. The um, Yeah, because you wouldn't think that, I mean, obviously when he woke up the first time to the alert, if it was person somebody putting something in the trash can that would have been what signaled it he probably saw that on the camera yeah um my question would be like how how long after the fireworks were being popped like was this hours later like why would it why would it be on fire like that's that's crazy well the fire i could see like if it if it just was smoldering and you know it's a lot of paper garbage yeah and, he was already know, sleeping, so like, how long? How long was that? That could have really been bad. Yeah, it really could have. So, I guess smoke could potentially set off the motion on a camera, but I mean, could I don't it know. Though? I don't. Does know. fog set off a camera? Not that I've ever seen on our cameras. I don't think so. I've never seen it on my camera yeah. either. Like, that's we weird. Run a, we don't run a typical one that you hear, you know, everybody else, the ring or anything. We have like some off-brand uh, blink, I think it's called. Yeah, we have we have an off-brand one too, but I mean, it works fine. It, mm-hmm. it definitely tells me when there's somebody there and even when there's not somebody there, but somebody just walking on the street. So, I mean, it's it's pretty good, but I've never seen it, you know, alert to smoke or uh, fog and we definitely get fog here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, you know, you know, coming from my side with the that almost going into the spiritual side and touching on that, the I would really like to believe that that's what it was. I mean, if that's the you know 
he had an inner feeling that that's what he felt it was. I mean, which I'm, or I don't know if we said he or she, but the anyways, well, yeah, his wife. So, um, but I don't know. I just think if he had that feeling, there was a reason he had that feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would like to think that we do have people that watch out for us once they're on the other side. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it would definitely be comforting to think about. Yeah. Comforting to know that there's, you know, that we're being looked over and watched out for. I I agree. And also that there is something after, you know. Mm -hmm. Who's to say? Who's to say that that wasn't his wife just being like, hey, (laughs) don't let our house burn down, yo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. That's a good story. Yeah. And we I mean we've had other stories that had, you know, onlookers from the other side or just little gestures saying here I am or you're okay. You know, I've definitely experienced that just in my own personal life, you know, thinking about my dad and things like that. Mm-hmm. There you definitely get that strong feeling. That's why I feel like I know the feeling that this person's talking about. You you get that that strong feeling of I am okay and this was meant for me to experience or this was meant for me, you know, to understand, to to help me mm-hmm. to to feel comforted or right. to know just just to be at peace, I guess you could say. Sure. And you know something else I'm thinking about? A lot of times those kind of camera apps, um, they're silenced during late hours, aren't they? Are they? Like so that you don't get woken up? I guess it depends on the setting because I guess yeah, if somebody's in your yard, you want to know about it. Yeah, yeah, I would think. Yeah. I think that would be prime time for it to alert you, you know, like that's that's when they're going to be prowling. They yeah, be prowling. They so. um, see me rolling. They prowling. <laughs> <laughs> Patrolling, trying to catch me. <laughs> uh, we had a guy, I just got alerted by the DA that the guy finally got prosecuted who broke into our car. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, it was some young kid. They they finally called him breaking into other cars and they called me and said, hey, do you want to press charges or do anything? And I was like, no, it's a dumb kid. He didn't even get anything out my car. Like, uh, And then they were like, well, are you okay? Is it okay if we send him to like a, a military, like a, a boot camp? And I was like, if that's what I was like, if that's what y'all determine that he needs, and I'm fine with it. It don't matter to me. Do it. Interesting that they would ask your permission. Well, they just they asked if that was basically a good enough punishment. Oh, I see. Like instead of like jail time or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, did I feel like I wanted to press charges for anything else to be further advanced? Hmm. I don't see how that can be a bad thing. No, no. I mean, hopefully, it helps him turn his life around. I'm sure. I'm sure a younger kid like that, the you know, probably just might not have the greatest home life. Yeah, sometimes and, people just need an opportunity, you know. Yeah. Anyways, our that's short derailment. Welcome to episode seventeen of the Strangewood Podcast. Seventeen. And I don't know if our analytics is tracked anywhere else, but when I watch it on from just Spotify, we're at almost fifteen hundred listens. Yay! Yeah, we're pretty high up on uh total listens. I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you. Our last episode's finally up to 50 on the <laughs> Abby and Libby. Yeah, y'all did a good job on that one. Thank you. I feel like that's probably one of our more listened to episodes at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. It's a big topic. Speaking about crime, uh, let's take this story 
to Gary, Indiana, which was once considered the crime capital of America. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the probably pretty well-known Demon House in Gary, Indiana. It's one of the more well-known recent hauntings in the U.S. There's lots of coverage on it, lots of YouTube videos on it. Even Zach Bagans or Baggins, I think he says Bagans, right? Yeah. Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures actually made a uh, documentary about it because he ended up buying this house because of all the uh, the stories and goings on around it. Gary, Indiana does come with a lot of interesting topics, though. Like Peter was saying, uh, with Zach buying this house, he definitely saw an interest in being able to investigate it on his own time frame and things like that. So it goes by a couple of different names. Um, it's the Amon's Haunting Case, the 200 Demon's House, or just Demon House is probably best how it's known. Um, this family uh, moved in in November of 2011. It was um, LaToya Amon's, her mom, Rosa Campbell, and LaToya's three kids. Uh, she had a 12-year-old girl and two little boys, one nine and one seven. And it's the physical address. Ooh, should we give the physical address? Um, I mean, I it's public put, record. Let's not put it on here, but you can find it if you look for it. Yeah. Um, so it's in Gary, Indiana. And um, they moved in as renters and um, almost immediately started having these weird manifestations um, of something just being not right and things leaning toward the paranormal. The first thing that they reported seeing were these big black um, horse flies, blow flies swarming around their porch. And it's crazy because this is November. And if you're from the South or I don't even know, I mean, I'm, I guess anywhere, I don't know if this is across the board in places, but flies don't typically show up in the cold months. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense that there was swarms, just this huge swarm of black flies in wintertime showing up on their porch. But they would start um, noticing these things um, happening on an increasing scale. Um, Sounds, um, footsteps. There's a creaking door that would open in the kitchen every night at midnight. They would hear a lot of footsteps in the basement. There was a big basement uh, below the house. A lot of energy and... um, and uh, like bad energy and uh, sounds coming from there. Um, one of them reported seeing, I think it was the grandmother that reported seeing like a shadowy figure of a man pacing in their living room. They found these boot prints when there was nobody that could have been in the house or was in the house. Lots of weird stuff just starting to happen. And in March of 2012, the biggest thing that started happening was um, the family had apparently experienced a, a loss uh, in their family and had a bunch of family members over there for like a sleepover type thing to mourn the loss of this loved one. 12-year-old daughter was asleep on one of the beds and she began levitating. Oh, was, well, yeah, that's normal. Yeah, you know, as you do at a sleepover. Um, and... The whole family witnessed this. So they immediately start praying and praying and praying. And finally, she comes down and wakes up and has absolutely 
no memory of this instance at all. Weird. Yeah. Got distracted for a minute and all I could think was light as a feather, stiff Mm. as a board. (laughs) I was like, I wonder if the little girl is playing with the other kids at the sleepover. But the, I mean, we're, we're talking about everybody's here to mourn a loss of somebody. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to black backtrack for a second. The black flies swarming, like you said, that's not typical in a colder month, but also that has been, um, correlated to a lot of, and I know I'm kind of stating the obvious here probably, but it's been correlated to a lot of demon type possessions. Yeah. yeah demonic entities, demons around, oh, things like that. What comes to mind is uh, Amityville, actually. I think they had a lot of flies. Yeah, Amityville had a lot of flies. And it's kind of been known to follow the horsemen, too, you know, pestilence. Oh. Uh, just that type of, you know, I guess you could say rotting, decay, the the demonic side it's of that. Um, pestilence is such an awful word. It just sounds disgusting to say pestilence. Ugh. Ugh. Sounds kind of like pus. Yeah. Brings all this gross stuff to mind. Like you said, decay and... Yeah, it's a nasty ugh, word. Pestilence. I do like how the witnesses immediately go into a, into prayer mm-hmm. to, to try and rid this... From happening and bringing the girl back down. Well, they say multiple times that the that the mom Latoya, um, she was and and her mother, um, they were church going people. They were people of faith, and um, when all this started happening, she was asking around the local churches, like, "Hey, what? Any thoughts? Like, what can I do?" And people were like, um, "GTFO, like, get out of there," and. <laughs> She was like, no, I can't. Like financially, they could not relocate. Like they, she's a single mom with three kids and her mom living with her. Like there's, it it wasn't like they could just up and leave. And this area, it's my understanding, very low income area. I mean, there's a reason why it's murder capital of the world. A lot of crime, not the world, but murder capital of the U.S. at one point. A lot of crime, a lot of disenfranchised groups of people. So, I mean, just the fact that she had to move there kind of lets you know, you know, if she if she could have afforded something better for her and her children, I'm sure she would have. But it was just not financially possible for them to relocate. So she was like, okay, what can I do? And she got suggestions of cleansing the house with like bleach and ammonia, like a physical clean using sage. Um drawing crosses on the doors, anointing the kids with oil, reading the Psalms. She dressed in white clothing to kind of purify, like symbolic of purity. Um, She even went so far as to build an altar in the basement, which um, like we had talked about, a lot of the uh, activity seemed to be coming from the basement and the door leading to the basement. So she set up a little like table with like a Bible and a candle and a cross. And she would go down there and say the Psalms. And so she's hoping, you know, this will help. This will help cleanse if there's anything evil. But actually, it seemed like the opposite started to happen. The more she tried to... Hey, get it on. Yeah, like the more she tried to get rid of it, the stronger things got to the point where like her son, uh, the little seven-year-old and the nine-year-old would 
like speak in tongues to each other. They would get like bloodshot eyes. Um, The littlest boy, the seven-year-old, would lock himself in a closet and he would talk to this boy that nobody else could see. Yeah, that's not creepy at all. No, creepy child speaking in tongues, you know, just (laughs) whatever. Yeah, so mom starts to get worried about the kids because things are getting worse. So she decides in April of 2012 to take the kids to see a doctor. Cause I mean, you know, what else, what else can we, let's just bring them to the doctor. They're acting weird. Let's see. The kids have psychosis or something. Yeah, I mean, Hey, you got to rule it out. Right. Right. So they went to this doctor. I'm going to butcher this name. Jeffrey Onyeku. Jeffrey Onyeku. Yeah, I'm not sure how you say that. Mm -mm. Well, they go see Dr. Jeffrey and he was extremely skeptical. He thought um, that if this was real, it was delusions and hallucinations. But they were he was kind of side eyeing the mom like, are you are you egging these kids on? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of sound made up when I you mean, it does. from I mean, the outside of this. You sure, know? sure. I mean, I, that's what I would, that would be my first thought. Unfortunately, my first thought would be if a patient came in, you know, I was, I would think either psychosis or that they're faking or, you know, and especially young kids, kids want parents' attention. So right. attention seeking, attention seeking behavior. Yeah. If mom believes this, well, let's, let's get mom's attention. Let's, oh, mom, I hear it too. You know, well, during this doctor visit, these kids start speaking in demonic voices, the boys back and forth to each other. And they are horribly horribly swearing and uh, using foul language at the doctor and staff. And then at some point, it says the medical staff witnessed that the seven-year-old was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. And that's according to a Department of Children's Services report. Um, Yeah, so generally, I'm inclined to believe somebody in that position. (laughs) Yeah, when when you got uh, the, what do we call it here in Georgia? Uh, CFS? Yeah, DFAX, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Department, Department of, of Child and Family. And family well, yeah, yeah. When you, when you got them over at the house, you know you're not doing anything off the wall. But then when the kid flies into the wall by himself, yeah, everybody's kind of got to be taken back. I got curious when you said she read Psalms 91, so I was trying to figure out why she picked that psalm. Um, is that the the Lord is my the Lord is uh, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High rests in the shadows of the Almighty. I will say the Lord, he is my refuge and mm. fortress. My God is whom I trust. That's the beginning. And I mean, there's, a, there's, it goes all the way up to verse 16. The What stood out to me was verse three, surely he will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. Pestilence, there's that word again. Uh-huh. I was about to say the same thing. I just Googled the uh, the psalm. In numbers, in, ver- in line six, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the plague that destroys at midday. Ugh. I was just curious why she picked this particular psalm. Uh, most of the time you hear in demonic possessions, the, the Lord's Prayer will be what's normally right. recited. Right. Um, there's power in the name of, you know, just saying the name mm-hmm. of Jesus in that sense. That's true. But, that would probably be my go-to yeah. if I was being demonically uh, haunted. Yep, yep, same. But yeah, not, not to get too far off on a tangent that the second part of that since i'm 
back up and, you know, up to speed with my quick Googles uh, and my computer is going to let me do it. This house is centri- centrally relocated. <gasps> is it on a ley line, Jonathan? No, oh, I didn't look that Ooh. far. I wish I looked that far. Oddly enough, it's only within about a block to two blocks of, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven to eight churches. And oddly enough, they're all of different faiths. Mm. Um, you got a deliverance church, the house of Israel, an assembly of God, a tabernacle, a lighthouse, and a holy family. So you have basically Catholic, Jewish. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, I see what you sent us. You see what I'm yeah. saying? It's just a an odd little circling of this house. And then at past times, we've tied things to water. Uh, the Kalamat River is only, I don't have a mileage guess here, but maybe a, a mile or two away. It's only maybe, if we're guessing in blocks, four to five blocks away from yeah. the river. That's crazy. How strange. And then Gary is also, you know, at the base of Lake Michigan. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know me, I'm always trying to look at the other stuff that ties into things. But anyways, back to the to the story, not to draw us too far. No, off of that. no, that's really cool. I'd be interested to know if it's across a, if it's near a ley line or anything like that, because... I mean, that does really strike me as weird that it is, I mean, you're absolutely right. It is like centrally located with all of these churches around it. You would think that would give it some element of protection, but it kind of, it kind of seems like the opposite. Yeah. In this situation, it almost did the, yeah, the exact opposite. Right. Weird. Okay. So yeah, I'm saving that because I'm going to put it on the web page. <laughs> so yeah, going back to the. If we got defects at the house now and they're looking at the kids like, hey, uh, mom hurting you? Yeah, that was kind of the suspicion. Like, okay, why are they acting out this way? Is is mom, you know, doing some kind of something to make them act out? Or is there, you know, abuse that could be? So they're side eye and mom hard right now. Well, in this doctor's office visit, they, of course, see the little boy get uh, lifted and thrown into the wall is the quote, lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. Both of the boys immediately pass out after this incident and they have a hard time reviving them, like waking them up. And so they take them to the hospital. This is where the famous part of this comes in because the people who do know this know about this instance. In the hospital, Uh, The Department of Children and Family Services sends a representative. Her name is Valerie Washington, and they want to interview and inspect the little boys to make sure they're not being abused. Um, And then they also do a psychological evaluation on the mom, LaToya. So the boys are found to be in good physical condition. There's no evidence of abuse. And then mom is simultaneously evaluated by a psychologist, psychiatrist, and does not appear to have any kind of mental health issue or anything that jumps out at them. And um, they, it, she's revealed to be of sound mind, it says. Um, so during, during, the, during this process, the case manager for Department of Children and Family Services, a psychologist and the grandmother are in the room, in a room with the boys. And I've, I've read 
places that it was the waiting room. I've read places that it was like a private like consultation room. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. But either way, the little boy, um, uh-huh. the seven-year-old, starts eyes rolling back into his head, starts talking in a demonic voice to his brother. Um, it's time to die. I'll kill you. It's time to die. And then he headbutts the grandmother in the stomach and the grandmother grabs his hands and starts talking to him and trying to calm him down saying, it's not you. This is not you. It's not you. And he starts backing up. He goes against the wall and starts walking backwards up the wall. (laughs) He makes it all the way to the ceiling and flips down onto his feet all without letting go of the grandmother's hands. That seems like a hard thing to fake. And kind of the way they describe it, it sounds slow. It doesn't sound like he was like parkour and like, you know, like... No, no, he's moonwalking this. He's all... He's he's like nice and slow. He's like, hey, check this out. He is Michael Jacksoning up this wall. So he goes from, it's time to die, I will kill you, to just a nice slow moonwalk, Barry Manilow in the background. Yep, yep, up the hey, wall. Watch me <laughs> hey, watch this, people. <laughs> Peep this. And so, yeah, so this is witnessed by grandmother, Rosa, the case manager from DCS, Valerie Washington, the psychologist in the room, And there's cases that say, there's instances that say there was a nurse named Willie Lee Walker, an RN. And then there's times that they don't mention that there was an RN in the room. However, it is noted that the, that Miss Washington and the psychologist ran from the room. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Took off. Yeah, you get, you you GTFO after that. You're like, (laughs) you do not pay me enough to mess with the devil. Hello. Uh, these health benefits aren't worth it. And Not on today, <laughs> Satan. Goodbye. I, I, no, I no longer work for the state. <laughs> Goodbye. Same. I cannot blame For you. this to be fake and like a made up story, that's a lot of people that have things to lose to make up a story like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for, for real. It's true. And, and there's a lot of criticism of this story that it's the mom and that it's people just, that it's like mass hysteria. Okay. I feel like, and I could be wrong and we could, but at one point I heard, I thought I heard that Valerie actually completely left the case. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Says that it's too much. She just oh, she pieces out. Yeah, she washes her hands. Oh yeah, well yeah, we'll definitely get to that. She pieces Uh, out. She's just like after this, she was like, uh, no. But all this happening in the hospital. I mean, this leads up to to mom no longer being able to to hold on to this prank. If this is a prank, I mean, because she she loses custody. She does absolutely. That's yeah. That's what I was about to say. For whatever reason, because um, they called the doctor in after and said, "Hey, this is what happened." The doctor's like, "Do it again." And the little boy's like, "What are you talking about?" Like he had no idea what the doctor was talking about. By that time, he had come out of whatever trance he was in or whatever, and was just like, "I don't know what you want me to do." Um, but yeah, she definitely loses temporarily loses custody of the kids after this because they're like something is up here whatever is going on it ain't good we need to remove these kids and kind of take a deeper look which you know I mean what are you gonna think if you don't witness this you know I can't I can't say that they did anything wrong I can't you know you gotta watch out for the kids you know I'm sitting here thinking about it and 
this kid is seven years old, right? So that's the same age as one of our nephews. I cannot imagine our nephew and his grandmother pretending this and doing that. You know, like he, I don't see either one of them being strong enough to walk him up the wall and then do a flip. You know, what are they, circus actors? I mean, (laughs) exactly. What kind of. And I mean, as 2012, he's seven years old. I don't think he knows how to moonwalk yet. He doesn't even know Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know a Michael. Michael who? Um, yeah, no, for real. But um, I think the other argument was that they say a lot that mom was trying to avoid rental payments. I mean, you could be less extreme and avoid rental payments. Yeah. Initially, when I heard the story, I <laughs> but, figured maybe they were making it up because I thought it all happened in the house with just the family there and that they were maybe trying to sell movie rights or something, you know? No, that's what's so compelling about it is that they are not the only ones who witnessed it. That's why it's still a thing. That's why they can't write it off because it's one thing for them to be like, oh my God, my kid's speaking in tongues. And then the little kid's like, you know, I mean, it's a goofy, you know, I could see a kid doing that. I mean, you know, but these professionals medical professionals, clinical professionals, social workers, policemen, they've all borne witness to some, if not all of these things. And so it helps to substantiate it enough to where it's like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, is there something, is there something truly paranormal happening here? Well, as a medical professional yourself, if you were at the hospital and you know, this this kid comes in and supposedly is demonic and has these things going on. Would you go along with a story and pretend like he walked up the wall? No, you wouldn't put your name on that. No, no. I thought you were going to say, what would you do if you saw somebody walk up? Probably want, run the F out of oh, the I room. Oh, I agree. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. <laughs> you'd see, you'd be like, didn't my vacation re-up? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take that day now. You'd see a Peter-shaped dust cloud. Right. Brandy just yeeted herself <laughs> out the door. Goodbye. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, this leads into something that I really like here. So after she loses the custody, Charles Austin, the actual police captain and a detective, I I can't pronounce his name, Gruska. 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 They go to the house to actually start their investigation. Damn, I didn't realize it was the captain and a detective. I thought they were just like beat cops. No, no. no, these These aren't just two guys pushing the black and whites. I mean, they're... These are, you got the captain and a detective, like you said. So, I mean, these are guys that's been on the force for a few years. They've seen some shit. They've seen the bad side of humanity, especially up in this area, you know, crime capital. So they go in with to investigate LaToya. They endorsed the paranormal activity belief at the house, witnessed flickering lights, heard whispered voices, and saw a disembodied face in a smoky mist in photos that they took. They even end up recording on their radio interference a, a hey, you in there. Yeah. If you watch the documentary, which we'll talk about a little bit later, we'll get into that a little bit later because there is a there is a documentary. Um, you actually they 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 play the audio from their actual radios. You no, know, so so it's two separate things. There's a voice recorder that they have when they're down in the basement. And you literally hear the two of them talking, just real hushed voices, kind of as they're looking around. And you hear, hey. and it's very clear. And it's like, oh my, it gave me chills. And I'm not, you know, 
I'm not typically that person where it's like, ooh, but I was just like, oh my God, like it was creepy. And then the second thing, when Captain Austin left the house the first time, he was in his car and that's where he heard something come through. Like the the radio started to go like, you know, when um, like um, AM, FM radio, you, you kind of roll through it and it's got that, that white noise kind of Silent thing. Silent noise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden he heard you in there Ugh. come through the radio and it scared the crap out of him. So they definitely witnessed some things. Um, the smoky mist thing was in the basement. And I don't think we talked about this yet. The thing about the basement, not only was it a place where they seem to have a lot of the, the activity kind of centralized and coming from the basement. But something that was odd was the basement was entirely cemented except for right underneath the stairs. Underneath the stairs, it was dirt. Like somebody maybe had buried something. Uh, maybe. And they thought that the police noted that and, and Charles uh, Austin specifically noted that. He said, I thought that was weird that the entire basement was cemented, concrete, you know, flooring. That's a but trap door to hell. The stairs, it's dirt. Well, there was talk about it being, I mean, they talk about it being a portal to hell. They've called it that before. So, yeah, let's get into that. Ew. At some point, um, at some point, Latoya had hired two um, two clairvoyants. Um, because I mean, poor baby. I guess she's. <laughs> you try anything at this point. <laughs> Anyone, someone help me. And um, between the two of them, um, they communicated to her that this place was possessed by more than two hundred demonic spirits, which is why they call the two hundred demon house. Only two hundred. Only two hundred. But it makes sense if you think about Gary, Indiana, and the crime and the murder capital, and I mean, and then now with Jonathan with his awesome quick Google search, finding that it's surrounded by all these churches. What if this is just like a, like literally think about like a portal. It's just, you know, your neighborhood <laughs> demon bus stop. <laughs> Everybody on board. Beep, beep. But I mean, it makes sense, you know, like, I don't know, but she, um, she then turns to a priest um, he's a local priest. His name is Father Michael. I think it's Mangano is how you say that. Am I saying that I think right? So. so she brings him in, kind of goes to him as like, you know, this is what I've tried to do. My kids were taken away. Like, please help. So he says, sure, yeah, I'll come by. And immediately gets bad vibes in the house. He saw the muddy footprints that they had talked about earlier. He saw the flickering lights. Um, at one point, he put a cross on Latoya's forehead and it would cause her to convulse. Like she, she couldn't stop it. It was like involuntary. And then when he would remove it, she would stop. So he is like, okay, no problem. I'm in. I believe you. So it had to have been a relief to her that somebody is like, okay, you're not crazy. Somebody who you doesn't know. run away immediately. Somebody who doesn't run away immediately and somebody, um, and even the police who are just like, okay, yeah, we're seeing some weird shit too. Like, this is not all you. And at this point, she doesn't have her kids anymore, right? Well, at this point, they are taken away, but she does get them back and they move. They move to Indianapolis. They UTFO. Yeah, they peace out. And apparently once they left, 
everything stopped. They had no future demonic activity. The boys, the daughter, no issues. Um, The family never felt attacked. So the mom too. The mom too. So they pieced out of there. Well, here's the thing. Even though they were no longer there, DCFS still has to do like the follow-up to kind of close the case out. And at this point, Valerie Washington, that we had talked about earlier, Jonathan, um, she Mm -hmm. refused to come back. She completely refused to come back. She was like, "Uh, after what I saw, after what I experienced, no. She said it just, it affected her profoundly. She ended up having to go to therapy and she was like, I am out. So May 10th, which was actually two weeks after the family had moved out, um, there was a scheduled second follow-up for the home study. And um, the two officers or the two uh, policemen. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hold on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the My quick Google. I just. <laughs> I brought up Michael Jackson. <laughs> And him moonwalking up the wall. And I didn't mean for this to happen, but it's only 2.8 miles from Michael Jackson's childhood. Oh home. my God. Are you serious? <laughs> you are kidding me. It's seven minutes away. You can't make this show. No, you can't. <laughs> I'm so, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like that. Oh, it's awesome. Oh my God. Maybe it really is Michael How Jackson. Weird. Maybe Michael Jackson is the reason for all of it. <laughs> That's going on the page. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So after they move, um, two weeks after they move, that second follow-up to kind of wrap everything up, um, there's a new social worker that comes in. Um, her name is Samantha Illick. And then along with the two previous policemen, uh, Grutska and Captain Austin, and then the priest, Father Mangano, um, and the grandmother, Rosa, with a couple of other policemen, they all kind of go back inside the house. Um, The kids are not there. Couldn't pay me enough. Uh, I know, right? Brave people, man. Like, I feel like... Ugh, I don't know. After I'd seen that kid go up a wall, I feel like I would be like, hello, therapy. They're looking around and they find this oily substance. They go down to the basement and there's this oily substance um, in different spots in the house. And it's in one room in particular along the blinds. And then it was also found all the way down the basement stairs. They didn't know what it was and they couldn't find where it came from. So um, at one point, the social worker, uh, Illick, she touches it. And as soon as she does, her pinky, where she made contact with it, goes white. Her hand gets super, super painful and numb and um she has to leave like she's just like "Uh uh-uh this is nope 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 so that was really weird the policeman yeah it's a central bedroom um the blinds were dripping that oily substance so the police noticed it they photographed it they cataloged everything and then they cleaned the blinds because remember rosa's with them the grandmother and they were like what if she is putting this stuff around? What if somebody's placing this? So their plan was clean it up, seal the room and see if, you know, 
if it comes back. Well, is there such a thing as like holy oil? Like instead of holy water? Yeah, yeah, anointing oils. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if it could have been maybe the father, you know, spreading that around the house at one point. Oh no, no, no. He's busy. He's busy while this is going. Oh, okay. On. Yeah, he's occupado. Um but um oh wait, no, no, no. He's upstairs. The police are occupado. But I think they were I think they were guarding the room. The room was locked. But forty minutes after they lock the room up, they come back and there's more oily substance on the blinds. They could not find a source. Um, but a lot is going on in this house at this time. So the priest is upstairs exercising the house. <laughs> so all I can picture when you see that is a, a demon with a headband <laughs> sounding like... Um, He's a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Him and the priest are just exercising. <laughs> Exercising the demons. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so he is he is performing an exorcism, and his feeling is that the basement is that there's maybe a body buried there, or there's some there's some kind of something going on with the basement. Pretty sus. So, I mean, it really is. So while he is upstairs, the cops go downstairs, and remember how part of the floor was, part of the floor, I was about to say the floor was lava. The floor <laughs> was lava. Um, part of the floor was, um, was dirt. It wasn't, it wasn't cemented over. So they decide they're going to dig under the stairs. They dig a four by three hole. You never dig. You cement it and leave it alone. I know, I know, cement it, leave it alone, throw some holy water on it and run. But no, they got to go digging. So they dig um, under the stairs and they get about three feet down and they find a bunch of weird shit. They find a pink press on nail. Gross. A pair of women's panties. Grosser. Two kids socks. Meh. A political pin, so like something that you know, like um, like, like a, a pol- yeah, me. yeah, like that. Um, a cooking pan lid, some like various trash, and then there's some records that say a cord, like a drapery cord and a comb. Mm. So just kind of weird, random things. Um, Almost like belongings to certain people that yeah. may have had something, you know, Voodoo-y. like a. Yeah, you know, some kind of voodoo spell. Or- like there's something super, I, I don't know. I know there's panties, which I mean, barf. By the way, is there any grosser word than panties? I don't <laughs> think so. Um, moving on. Moist. Moist. Ah, oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He went there. But you know, what, um, what are these things doing in a hole in the basement? You know, like. All together. And it's it's such a random assortment of things, you know. Like I could see socks really getting down is. there because where the hell else do socks that disappear from your washer go, you know? But a political pin, a cooking pan lid, and women's underwear—I mean, come on—that's really, really random that's, things. That's so strange. And that press-on nail—I don't know why. And just one. But that, yes, that oogs me out so much. The panties and the fingernail together. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just a woman thing. I don't know. It's just weird to me. But the priest is like, this seems like necromancy. Like this seems like people, someone or something gathering personal, very personal belongings and 
trying to do some kind of something. So this is what they find. Um, everybody's ooged out. The priest lets the cops know that the blinds are dripping again. And it's just, it's just the grossest. Um, he does at some point, the priest does at some point formally request to exercise Latoya. I don't know if that happened before or after this, but on his way to, he's given permission, but on his way to the exorcism, he was actually thrown off of the bike that he was riding by an unseen force. He was, yeah, he was en route to the exorcism and didn't just get into a bicycle accident. He said he was biking and something, it was like picked him up and threw him off of his bike. Um, And then the... Uh, social worker, the second one, Samantha Illick, the one that touched the the crap on the stairs and got all numb. Within 30 days of that visit, she had three broken ribs from a jet ski accident, third degree burns from a motorcycle accident, a broken hand from hitting a table, and then a broken ankle from running within a month. She needs to be more careful. I mean, like, uh, like your girl got her ass kicked from a distance, you know? So that's very interesting to me. So after that, um, so the family has vacated. Now we're going to talk about Mr. Zach Douchebaggins. Um, Come on. Ghost Adventures. I like Zach Baggins. So, so, okay. So, okay. Let me, let me put an asterisk by that. I liked him better after I watched the the documentary not a lot that he's such a douchebag though <laughs> Zach if you hear this this is he's, not all no. of our opinion listen listen look and listen he is he's a he's a personality he's a character he's doing his thing there's other shirts other than <laughs> there, I mean that that exists in the world yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely um, but he heard about this and he was like, ring it up. So he bought the house. He bought Demon House, um, moved on in there and uh, was like, yeah, this is mine. And immediately was like, we're going to film a documentary. We're going to do all the things. I mean, he got a pretty good price so for it. He did. Um, I think it was 38000 38, Yeah, something like that. It was in and the 30s. 35000 and he bought it. Um, so Petey and I watched the documentary. It's called Demon House by Zach Baggins. It was a 2018 documentary. It took him three years to make it. He had a very difficult time. Um, That's an understatement. Yeah, it went from being what he thought was going to be like, all right, let's get in here and show yourself. You know how he does <laughs> on Ghost Adventures. He's kind of a lot. Um, but he did he got way more than what he thought he was gonna get. I know we didn't say the address. 3860 is not there. Oh, it's it was demolished. Oh, oh they okay. knocked that down. But I was looking for it too. I don't know how I missed and that. I see Oh wait, don't get ahead of me. Well I see where there there should be a house, but there looks like there's a tree. I don't know if the house was maybe really close to the tree or what. There was a tree in the front yard, huh? Yeah, there's a tree in there's the front a tree yard. in the backyard too. But it looks like where the house would have been. Oh, maybe it was really close. There's a house next door that's 3864. Uh-huh. And then the house right before it 
is uh, 38. It's behind the bush. Hold on, I was just looking at it. Yeah, 3850. So the numbering is just weird there. No, they demoed the shit out of that thing, dude. Oh, okay. Have you not seen this documentary? I guess I haven't. Ooh. I guess I keep thinking, getting it confused with Velisca. You should. You should. It's 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 interesting. I don't know if I believe him fully because I don't know. He's just he's just a lot. But um, it's interesting. He buys the house. Um, in when did he buy that house? Was it sixteen? No, twelve. He bought it in 12. Yeah, because it took him like three years. Okay, so he buys this house thinking, I'm going to make this amazing documentary. I'm going to cash in. Oh, so he bought it almost immediately. He bought it right after they left. Um, and he he opens the documentary by saying that he got way more than he bargained for. So basically it starts out, he buys the house. He's super pumped before he can even go there. He has this crazy dream where there is this like, goat man hybrid demonic thing chasing him he doesn't tell anybody about it but it's it's literally like the night before or two nights before he's supposed to go and see this house because he buys it sight unseen he doesn't go there he literally is like it's for sale ring it up okay i'm gonna get my crew we're gonna go and so when he gets there he um he immediately meets with charles austin the police captain who kind of, you know, introduces him to the property and kind of interviews with him. Um, he immediately hires a home inspector because he wants to rule out things that could potentially contribute to hallucinations. Like, okay, is this demonic or is this um, a psychological condition? Is this a, is... Um, you know, even if, even if that could have been it, like I could see that, but it's a totally different environment when you go to the hospital where the other stuff happened. It is, it is. But if you're inhaling CO2, that's not something that goes away as soon as you leave that environment. That's, yeah, but these are, this is stuff something. people, other people saw that weren't in the environment at all. Oh, no, no, no. I don't disagree with you. Um, but um, he's just trying to, I guess, do his due diligence. No, no, yeah, it makes sense. Of, but it, it just pokes holes in it, having these other people that weren't ever even at the house. Right, right. Well, the home inspector comes in. Um, he does find black mold. He does find high levels of CO2. And he does find asbestos in the house, which they were like, okay, well, this could contribute to some distorted thinking. You can hear and see things that don't make sense when you you know, are exposed to these different things. Wait, was it CO2 or CO? Carbon dioxide or monoxide? Oh. Because carbon monoxide is poisonous. CO2 is what you breathe out. You're right. You're right. I wrote that wrong. It's CO, huh? Okay. So should I should I go back and? Uh, no, no, no. We just correct. It. Did I say CO two? You did. I did. I meant carbon monoxide. Yeah, that's just the one o. Yeah, it's mono monoxide. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because I I didn't see that carbon dioxide would make you see things, but carbon no. monoxide no, definitely no, 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 will. No. Right, right, right. Well, but carbon monoxide. You're not the levels of carbon monoxide in the home would have had to been. Low enough to not kill, but right high enough to be measurable, which is which is a weird combination. Right. So black mold, carbon monoxide, and asbestos. Um. So the home inspector leaves, and like he leaves the house, a tree nearly falls on his car while he's driving you home, know, like normal. 
<laughs> you know, um, at some point he was choked by an unseen force when he was trying to sleep. And not long after that, he developed cancer. So it's like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a house I want to go to. This house, like, oh my God. Like, so Zach Baggins is like, woo. Anyway, yeah, he's talking with Charles Austin. And after Charles Austin does his interview with, uh, with Baggins, he falls and he he describes the fall as just something that he doesn't even know what happened. He said it felt like his legs were pulled out from under him on concrete and busted his head wide open, had a horrible head injury. And so Zach Baggins is going, okay, you know, that's kind of weird. But, you know, he's he's pressing on. He's pressing on because, you know... You can't keep a good douchebag down. <laughs> I need to come, stop calling him a douchebag. He's just trying to make his money. That man's famous. I need to shut up. All right. So he just keeps on keeping on because that's what he does. While they're filming, this woman and her children show up and her name is Mika. And she um, she was a tenant way before the Amons moved in. She lived there when she was a teenager. And she said, you know, she told Zach, I can remember weird things. I can remember... Um, weird feelings in this house. I can remember activity that was unexplainable. So he's like, oh yeah, come on in. So he brings her and her kids in. I wonder how they knew to show up. Well, I'm sure in Gary, Indiana. Yeah, maybe they heard or... It got around. I mean, my God, he's famous, you know? True. Her daughter is with her. She's got a teenage daughter and she looks to be maybe like 14, 15 years old. Daughter and um, her other kids come with her and they go down to the basement and she's super weirded out and you can tell she's really uncomfortable and they leave. Well, two days later, Zach gets a phone call that says that Mika's daughter uh, attempted to OD and stab herself in the wrist and the stomach. Mm. Um, they said that her personality was completely different, that she was saying and doing things that were not her, just out of nowhere. And this is a girl with no mental health history, no drug history, no, um, it, it just felt really random. Um, and they kept saying the whole time that she just was not herself. Like she was talking and acting like someone who was not herself. And then when they talk with her, she has almost no memory of being in the house with Zach and her mom. Hmm. Even though there's footage, she's there. Yeah, Like they walk through there. the house, you know, she's absolutely there. And they were there for a long time. So um, the family states that her behaviors and her, hand, her mannerisms were absolutely not her. Um, well, on hearing this, one of one of Zach's crew quits immediately. He's like, goodbye. So smartest person in the group, <laughs> clearly, um, moves out. And then at the same time, Zach is trying to, you know, make this documentary work. So he calls a good friend of his who is a medium who was on his uh, show Ghost Adventures many, many times. The lady, he's known her for years, very close to her. And he um, reaches out to her. And what she did was she was trying to contact one of the demons in the house to see if she could get some information from. Oh, so he had involved her. her at this point? He and yes. I didn't realize he, that. I he, thought it just happened yes, at the same time. He involved her. And so she reached out to do what she could to pick up on what she could very soon after that she was uh killed in a murder suicide by her husband um she and her and her friend so it was a triple it was a triple 
death thing. It was two murders and then he killed himself. Yeah, and they were so, actually on at least one or two episodes of Ghost Adventures. Oh yeah, yeah. They showed her picture and they were they were he said extremely close. So all this crazy crap is happening. And so Zag Baggins is still bless him. He is trying to make this work. Um he himself starts having really bad feelings at the house. Um, he gets these bouts of aggression that just kind of come out of nowhere that he can't really control. He finds himself getting hostile toward people that he has no reason to get hostile toward. Yeah, I think he like lunged at somebody at one point, right? He lunged at somebody at one point. He was like, I couldn't stop myself. I don't know what the deal is. Well, during one of these visits, um, he gets a guy over there, Dr. Barry Taff, who is just the cutest little old man to measure uh, for electromagnetic anomalies. They do find some, but they're specifically centered around Zach when he's when he's feeling agitated. So it, it kind of seems almost like these things latch on to people once they go into the house. Yeah. I think I, I did want to say that uh, that but I forgot to mention this earlier. Zach did attempt initially to interview Latoya. Um, and her kids, and they absolutely refused. They he goes to their house. Um, she he's able to speak with her brother, who, who she then didn't let back in the house. Who she then would not let back in the house after he'd spent some time with Zach because she was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that thing's going to attach itself to him and then attach itself to you. We finally got out from under this. We don't want anything to do with it. But they would not. They would not. They were like, nope. We. Uh, you're associated with that house. You've been in that house. We don't want anything to do with you. So anyway, um, going back. I mean, you know, shoot. If it was real and my kids were finally well again, right? I mean, Jonathan, like mm-hmm. you'd be bye. Like, um, yeah, so no, I agree. Anyway, so um, yeah. they're in the house testing for the electromagnetic activity and the doctor starts to feel really like disoriented and nauseous. This is all in the basement that they're doing this. Okay. And then upstairs right above them is one of the cameramen, Adam. And Adam starts acting strangely, just out of nowhere. Um, He starts feeling bad. He has to lay down on the floor. He starts getting confused. Like you can see in the footage at one point, he's looking at his hands like he's not real sure what he's seeing. And then uh, at another point, you can see him like he sneaks into the basement and goes into like there's this little offshoot room in the basement and they find him laying on the floor in the basement. Kind of why that's weird is because Mika, the one whose daughter attempted suicide, she had a brother that stayed in that room. And he was murdered. Hmm. So it's just kind of weird that Adam showed up in that room. So they leave. um, And in the hotel that night, they can later hear Adam screaming for Zach, like screaming for him. And they run and he is in the hallway going in and out of the elevator. He's vomiting blood. He is yelling. He's aggressive. He's hostile. And he's yelling at something, calling it a bitch. Whatever's in there is a bitch. And he's talking about these, he's talking about a goat man. So Jonathan, you remember Zach had that, had that dream and he never told them about it. Allegedly. (laughs) 
Now, could this be all for, you know, production value? I mean, you know, could be. But so, and they cannot calm his ass down. Like he is turned up. He is yelling. Yeah, all they can do is basically watch and they all had their phones out and recording. Yeah, try not to let him hurt himself. Well, he finally settles down and he's like, they get him into a room, but you can tell he's nervous. He's leaned back in the chair. Um, he looks very uneasy. He feels like he's being touched on the top of his hand by something. They they note a like cold presence like around his body when he starts to get agitated. And the same night, Dr. Taff, the, the guy that was checking um, for the electromagnetic uh, stuff and the guy who um, got real nauseous and confused at the house, he's a couple of floors above them, does not know what's going on, but he starts during like, and it turns out it was all at the same time. He is having feelings of, con- of nausea and confusion. And um, they also see while they're reviewing the footage, while the doctor was walking around by himself, that there's this big black mass that follows him in the house. Yeah. And that was kind of so weird. Like, all this- it looks like it could have maybe been a hand, but it doesn't look like that's what it would have been. No, and then they had it analyzed, and they even showed they had it analyzed, and they said it's not a hand. Because my, that was, I said, oh, that's somebody's finger when I saw it. I'm like, that's the cameraman's finger. They said, no, it's not. It's segmented, like um, disconnected, like it, it's not a continuous. Because it follows like a big point. Like you'd have to see it. It's 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 interesting. Anyway, so Adam, the cameraman. He has ongoing issues with this. Um, So they end up having to remove him from the team. Like they take him out of there completely because he just is not well. Um, And kind of the way they left it was he, he never really recovered. He's, he's got like, he went get like tattoos of like six, six, six on his hands and where, where he felt like that thing was touching him. Like he, it, it, it profoundly, it seems like this house profoundly affects people in very bad ways. And then very shortly after that, that's the doctor, Dr. Taff, he had to be hospitalized. He went into multi, multi-organ failure with no clear reason why. Yikes. The, the cameraman that said that he saw the goat, he did get a 666 tattoo? Yeah, like later yes. on, he ended up going to get 666. On the top of his hand where he felt that thing touch him. 666, you know, we're, if we say that that ties back to the devil and it is the number of the devil and the number of the beast, when specifically talking about the devil in different forms, Baphomet was depicted as a half goat, half man depiction. Um, yeah. Look, look, listen, goats are evil. There is something about a goat that gives me like a genuinely grossed out feeling like adult goats. I don't know if it's the eyes. I don't know because I grew up Baptist. So I don't know if it's the association with the devil. Something about ghosts, just ghosts, (laughs) something about goats just kind of wigs me out. I don't know. I don't like them. They give they genuinely give me the willies adult goats. Yeah, maybe it's because they eat anything. <laughs> they just eat trash and they're they're okay with it. Souls. They eat trash and souls. <laughs> they eat souls. Trash and human souls. But yeah, they there's a frequent association of goats with the demonic, just like flies with pestilence. 
Yeah, I just, it, I mean, there, there's always that tie, and then it, it just feels weird that they both describe seeing a goat man, supposedly independently of each other. Supposedly. <laughs> to just say that it was a goat man just feels weird because of just the tie to Baphomet. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Baphomet. I could be saying it wrong, Ugh. but I think that's how you pronounce it. No, I, th- I think that's right. I don't know what that is. I've never it, heard it, that. So Baphomet. have you heard of, I think it's in Arkansas somewhere, they put a statue uh, for Satanism or something. That, yes. That, oh, so that's the that's the satanic yeah. statue. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So poor Zach Baggins. He is he is trying to make this work, but as you can see, I mean, God, you know, like it's just it's just a cluster from the jump, you know. So he decides what he's gonna do is he literally boards himself into the house. He, and Jonathan, because you didn't see it, I'm telling you, literally boards himself. Yeah, he's looking looking like they got a hurricane coming. Correct, correct. And for those of you who don't know what it looks like when you board up for a hurricane, you do plywood over all of the windows and he did all of the doors. Um, to the point where he had them power drill a plywood over the door to keep him from leaving the house once he was ready to be inside the house. So he completely seals himself in like a complete psycho. Why would you do that? That is bananas. And Charles uh, Charles Austin is there and he's like, now look... <laughs> You call me if you need me to come get you out of this house. And like, he's like, he's like, seriously, like, call me and I will come and get the drill and I will come and get you out of here. So he gets sealed in the house and he said he's going to do it for one night and see what happens. And to say that he gets attacked is an understatement. He hears voices he sees black figures. At one point, he is like cornered on his bed and you can see him like kicking at something and yelling at it to go away. This is the one time that I see Zach Baggins on here that I absolutely believe that he was seeing and hearing something that I could not see. I feel like he's a bad actor. And I don't say that with disrespect. I mean, I, I don't mean it disrespectfully. I mean, I don't, I feel like when he's putting something on or he's, trying to uh, he doesn't have a natural ability to fool people um i think he to me to me this actually looked like he was afraid and then um he starts having horrible shooting pains in his head behind his eyes his vision starts going crazy and this is about halfway through the night and so he calls and they come and get him out of this house He goes to the emergency room. He gets all these tests done, all these scans, and he has developed this condition called diplopia, die meaning two, um, and it's basically double vision, which in and of itself is not, you know, uncommon, but this is permanent double vision um, without a known source. Like unexplained. um, Unexplained. And kind of comes and goes and they tell him the condition is permanent. So did this develop as a result of him 
confronting these demons and this is his takeaway. You know, some people have organ failure. Some people break all their bones. Some people have cancer. Some people get head injuries. He's got this diplopia. Yeah. Hello. Wow. Um, So for the rest of the doc, you can see that he's wearing glasses all the time, inside, outside, and it's because of his condition. So at this point, he makes the smartest decision I think he could have. And he's like, this is getting knocked down. (laughs) So they decide to demo the house. Um, He said he wants to have it demoed so it can't hurt anyone anymore. Um, It was demolished in 2016, but he said, you know, true to any... Um, ghost hunter, any ghost connoisseur, he's got to keep his his suvies. So he keeps the basement stairs and he keeps a jar at it. Well, because he likes being haunted, apparently. Because he likes to be haunted. The diplopia wasn't enough. A permanent eye condition where he sees doubled isn't enough. So he decides to keep some dirt from under the basement stairs. At least he didn't keep the fingernail. That would have been messed up. I'd have been like, all right, I have serious (laughs) questions about Zach Baggins. Um, Worse, the underwear. uh, Oh, no. I need to think about that, Grody. I'm very glad he didn't keep that. Good good on you, Zach Baggins. So, yeah, so it is gone. So if you look it up on Google, um, Google Earth or Google Maps, um, if it's any kind of updating that's been done since 2016, which, I mean, that's eight years, nine years. No, wait, hold on. What's math? I didn't go to school for math. So it's 23. So seven years ago, I'm sure they've updated the maps. Well, we were then. actually trying to um, find it a minute ago, and it's just a lot. But you you can actually jump back on Google Earth to 2013 in August and you actually can see it there and she's got a uh, black explorer out in front. Oh, wow. Okay. No, not she. He drove a black explorer. (gasps) Wait, who did? Zach Baggins. Oh, really? So this is his car. Is that Zach Baggins' car? That's pretty cool. That is his car. Oh my God. So cool. And that would have been the time frame because they moved out in 2012 and he bought it right after. Oh So he kept the potted flowers in the front? How sweet of him. I mean, I don't know. And he wasn't there the entire time. He said there were squatters there at one point that they had to kick out. Um, Yeah. It's a very interesting documentary. But they say that um, people still perform satanic rituals on the empty property um, because it's such a a hotbed of of activity. So, um, yeah, that's Demon House. For anybody who hasn't gone look at the pictures yet or doesn't plan to go actually look at our pictures, Peter and Brandy put a lot of hard work into the site and it is fantastic. Um, There's a lot of extra information that you'll find on there, a lot of links to finding out more information if you want. But it's a very deep dive on our site. The uh, All thanks to you guys. But the if you look at the house, I mean... I don't remember if we ever said how many rooms it was, but this is a very small house. If you can picture a shotgun house, um, I'm assuming that's the style it was set up in. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, shotgun house, you, from the front door, you can see the back door. Everything's mm-hmm. one straight line, pretty much. Yeah, it's kind of what it looks like. I mean, this, yeah, the lot, the Explorer being parked in front of the house. I mean, the the whole house, let me get back to it. The whole house is only maybe, what, three feet wider than an Explorer? Yeah. Right. It's not, it's a little house. It's very small little rental. I mean, yeah. So you got a lot going on in a very confined space. Ugh, I hate a goat. 
I just saw the <laughs> pictures that y'all sent with the, what's Baphomet. his name? Baphomet. Baphomet. You see the one oh, where I put them in the uh, front door? Yeah, you're so stupid. <laughs> oh my God. There was a picture. There is a picture that it's argued who took it. It's at the top of the notes, if y'all look. And you can see a figure um, in the second window from the right. Yeah, but I don't believe that kind of stuff. I don't. I think they said it was faked. I think they said it was yeah, fake. like as somebody who can Photoshop, you know, fairly well. I mean, yeah, they couldn't. They I, couldn't I wouldn't even say this is Photoshop. This looks just more like it's some kind of glare that happens to look weird. You know, I find this kind of weird. It's an odd little. Let me point this out. In the picture with Zach, I don't see a tree in the backyard. It. So I was looking for that. It's a. Uh, um, it's small and it kind of blends in with the trees behind it. Yeah, and it's been a few years. Okay, well, that that's fine. But all right, let's turn our attention to the tree in the front yard. When the tree in the front yard in the picture with Zach, it doesn't look the healthiest. It's starting to die. When you look at the current lot. I did notice that, yeah. The the tree in the front yard is damn near dead now. Yeah, it, like, it looks like a... You know, kind of like goat horns, oddly enough. Well, you know, it doesn't have the blood of innocent souls to feed off of anymore because there's no house there. So maybe it's like a damn demon tree, like on Sleepy Hollow. The, Don't yeah. see that? The tree that has like guts and stuff inside. When you chop it, it bleeds. <laughs> the tree in the backyard, you're right, could be more of a, it is a very small tree, but it flourished after the house was gone. You know, I'm wondering... Um, did they actually demolish it or did it like suck itself in like on poltergeist? <laughs> Who knows? This place is freaking weird. Portal to hell, guys. I don't know. I think there could be something to this. There's a that's a lot. That is a lot of things to occur randomly. And I said that it was the um you know, the demon bus stop, but the other than the bus stops along Highway 53 um, that are very, very near the house, the closest Greyhound bus stop, just for anybody wanting to visit, <laughs> is actually at the mall, um, oh. probably about two miles away uh, off of 82nd and 83rd Avenue. <laughs> uh, oh, good. <laughs> Go visit Demon House, and they have a mall nearby. <laughs> Go get a pretzel. <laughs> Go to Annie Ann's and get a pretzel and go get your shoes. You can shoes take the bus up there, stop at the Greyhound. see the Demon House. So, you know, once <laughs> you, you get off at the, the Greyhound stop, <laughs> you can stay at the, there's a home to suite right there. And then the next day you Uber up the road, you, right. you stop at the Cracker Barrel, and then you keep going north. And you, you can visit the Demon House. Oh you can stop by Indiana University. And then you can go check out Michael Jackson's house. And then you can go to church and cleanse yourself of the demons that have undoubtedly jumped on your back from going through this crazy ass town. And you don't even have, you can go to church all week and not go to the same one. That's right. You could ping pong through those suckers. You got plenty of choices. Plenty of choices. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. It really is crazy. Like... I don't know. That's that's a lot of things to go on in one location. Man, stay away from those states that start with an I. Illinois, Indiana, and anything on the West Coast, dude, just avoid it. There's there's some weird crap happening there. 
Well, if you're going to go for Illinois and Indiana, stay away from Ohio, too. Why Ohio? Well, no, Ohio is just weird all around. There's a lot of strange things that happen in Ohio. Is there? A little off the wall things. Uh, and then, oh. you know, living in Cincinnati, Cincinnati was just a beast of its own, I guess you could say. Yeah. Really? You're going to have to tell us more about that. Oh, it was, I mean, as far as, it was just more traffic than Atlanta. It was more oh. traffic than Houston. It was more than Atlanta. More traffic than Atlanta. Yeah, oh. like it was. How the hell? It got bad at times. Yikes. Um, I noticed at the bottom of our little notes, it had um, a guy that I do really like his stories. Why am I blanking out on his name? Mr. Ballin. Mr. Ballin. Shout out to John B. Allen. Oh, Mr. Ballin. You're the dude. Hey, he's if pretty you, awesome. Yeah, if anybody if oh. anybody wants, you can listen to his side of the story too. He Oh, please he covers do. things pretty good. Oh, he's great. If you are not subscribed to Mr. Ballin, he is a former Navy SEAL. He is a dad and a husband, and he is a very gifted storyteller. He talks about true crime. He talks about the strange, dark, and mysterious. He is right in the same kind of wheelhouse that we're in. Hundreds of videos and a podcast. So if you've not checked out Mr. John B. Allen, he's Mr. Ballin. Do it. Check him out. Do it. Totally worth it. But yeah, as for the demon house, um, I think we're going to call it a night. And uh, okay. hopefully we don't get haunted by any demons. Well, we're not in Indiana, so. Yeah, we're hopefully. not near the portal. Yeah, really. The porthole to hell. Jesus. Goat men. Ugh. Well, Brandy, since since you're on, do you want to give us a uh, outro telling them where they can find our social media and all that? Oh, sure. Um, so follow us on all the socials. We have all the things, including now um, we are starting to post the audio for the Strange Woods podcast on YouTube. So if that is something that you are interested in, it is now available. We're trying. We don't have every single episode, but we have um, most of them. Working on it. Um, working on it. Um, we are growing by leaps and bounds on TikTok. We have almost 400 followers. Last I checked was 392. Awesome. So yeah, so we're we're growing there. Um, we have the story contest, which yeah, it'll be done by the time that this posts, but that's okay. We love listener stories. You guys love the listener stories. So don't feel like it has to be anything crazy. You know, it just... Anything interesting or weird or strange or coincidental or like, well, what? You know, like anything that you think would be interesting, let us know. It doesn't have to be a long story. You don't have to record it. You can write it. You don't have to tell us who you are. You can be anonymous. We just want some good stories because that's the coolest thing is with this little platform is that the guys not only get to talk to each other and keep up with each other and talk about cool, interesting topics, but we get to see what other people think and other people experience. And that's really fun for us. Yeah, so, also, if you want to, if you want to comment on a previous episode, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever have an update for anything we talk about or just your own experience with something or, you know, if we make a mistake because we are human, uh, go ahead and keep it to yourself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, one way or the other, do whatever you want. But 
Yeah, the uh, we're we're just out here trying to build this community. You know, we are trying to grow this community, and this community is not only for us. Like Brandy was saying, with us keeping in touch with each other, it's for you guys. Get your stories out there. This is a safe place to share your stories. Nobody's gonna call you crazy. No, we just wanna have fun. Yeah, just give us some cool stories. Give us some cool. Give us your stories. Just don't make man. up stories. Yeah, just true stories. Yeah. Stories, pictures, none, none of those pictures, just, you know, <laughs> creepy pictures. You know, you know, you know, you know what you should send and what you shouldn't, you know. But hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode. And uh, I think Jeremy will probably be back on the next episode you guys listen to. Yeah, we're hoping he can get back shortly. So hopefully he can get back soon. But, you know, we like having people on the episodes, too. So uh, let us know if you like the, the episode with Brandy. We'll try to get Brandy back here more often. if. You want other people? The other people can be you if you call in and set something up with us. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you. They will. <laughs> Fill them ear holes. <laughs> well, thanks so much for letting me crash. Of course. I had a great time. I hope everything came out okay, and I hope this uh, I hope this episode does well. I thought this was a really cool story, so I'm glad to have been a part of it. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, I did appreciate you being here and helping us with this story. I think it will turn out good. Absolutely. I think so, too. Yay. And thank, thank everybody for listening tonight. And uh, from Georgia with love, see y'all later. We'll see y'all next time. Bye, guys. Bye.